Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. It's too good to be true. And thank you to all the listeners. Are you ready for a thought-provoking show about the unexplained events from World War I? Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject and research it. And based on that research, we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We are not very good at pronouncing names. We apologize. And neither of us have expertise in investigating unexplained events from any era in history. Thank you, Justina, for letting me choose the subject of unexplained events from World War I. That seems to be a rather random topic. I thought it was time for some unexplained events and thought that a common theme would be a good idea. When I read the story about the SARS gold disappearing, that seemed to be a good choice for one of the events to be investigated. I think we should mention the article from the Siberian Times from April 1st of this year. 
Oh, it was April Fool's Day. So, yes, April Fool's Day is celebrated in Siberia. The spoof article claims that the gold had been found in an old railroad tunnel. It was written by the Siberian Times reporter. That shows that the story of the Tsar's gold must be alive and well in Russia. So what's so interesting about some gold disappearing? The Tsar and his family were murdered in July of 1918, and all their wealth must have been claimed by the leaders of the revolution, with maybe some items being stolen. Apparently, the story goes that a huge quantity of gold just disappeared. The entire story could all be a hoax, of course. In a country that had experienced an overthrow of the ruling classes and removing itself from World War I in the spring of 1917, there must have been an enormous upheaval. World War I continued devastating Europe with millions of casualties. It is hard to imagine 17 million people being killed in World War I, along with the Spanish flu epidemic of 1918 to 1919 that killed a further 20 to 40 million people. The start of World War I is hard to believe because it was about two sets of major nations forming alliances. Once an event occurred, there was a domino effect and the battle lines were drawn between the two alliances. These were the Triple Entente and the Central Powers. The Russians were part of the Triple Entente, also known as the Allies, along with France and the British Empire. The opposing Central Powers were German, Germany, Austria-Hungary and the Ottoman or Turkish Empire. The misery of World War I was part of the reason for the Russian Revolution in 1917, which ended Russia's involvement in World War I. Italy was part of the Central Powers, but didn't join them, eventually fighting against them. Japan also fought against the Central Powers on the side of the Allies. So Italy and Japan were against Germany in World War I, and with them in World War II. It sounds just plain stupid for the situation to have got so out of hand. What was the event that occurred? The assassination of Archduke Ferdinand of Austria in Sarajevo on June the 28th of 1914. Long story short, the, the assassins with the exception of one were Serbian. Austria-Hungary uh, declared war on Serbia, Serbia. Serbia was an ally of Russia. With all the alliances in place, the Central Powers were at war against the Allies. Nationalism was a big factor at the time. Many countries thought they were superior to others and could win any conflict. Britain and Germany had built up their forces and appeared to have been preparing for war for years. People in those days must have thought differently about doing what they were told. There didn't seem to be much opposition within the different countries. With the exception of the Russians, people must have trusted their governments and there must have been consequences for not going along with what the governments wanted. With nationalism riding high, probably the voice of reason could have been heard as the voice of treason. The British head of state, King George V's family name, made the situation seem all the more ridiculous. The British royal family changed their name to Windsor from Saxe-Coburg and Gotha in 1917 because it sounded too German, because it was German. The name belonged to Prince Albert, who married Queen Victoria, grandmother of King George V. Weren't the royal families of Germany, Russia and Britain all related? Yes, Kaiser Wilhelm, Tsar Nicholas and King George were all first cousins, but I think we're going to have to talk more about that after the break. Yes, remember to go like our Facebook page and after this short break, we'll continue talking about World War I and unexplained events. Mm -hmm. 
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back to Too Good To Be True. And before the break, we're giving a little background on World War I before going into some more unexplained events. So, before the break, we were saying that the royal families of Germany, Russia, and Britain were all related. Dad, can you continue on this? Yes, Kaiser Wilhelm, Tsar Nicholas, and King George were all first cousins, but that didn't matter. Each government mobilized millions of troops to go and fight for what was basically a power struggle. The war only ended after the United States joined in and Germany collapsed. Apparently, the only people to benefit were those who made money from government spending vast amounts of money on weapons and supplies. The major outcome of World War I was World War II, with even greater destruction. In between, the British Empire went into decline and the United States emerged as a major world power. There might have been another event. We might have not been born. Yes, your great-grandfather, Ernie Marsh, uh, walked 24 miles there and back to volunteer for the British Army. Such was a patriotism or, national, or nationalism at the time. What happened? Did he go to France? No, the British Army decided that he had a medical condition that prevented him from being able to march, so he just walked home. Let's get back to Tsar Nicholas II of Russia and the missing gold. The Tsar is just another word for king. We know that the Russian royal family was rounded up and murdered by the Bolsheviks in 1918. The Bolsheviks were the revolutionaries that had united to take over Russia in 1917. Being Marxist, there was no place for an elitism such as a royal family. So, if the story is to be believed, how did Tsar Nicholas II go about hiding his gold? The story starts with Tsar Nicholas II had 500 tons of the country's gold reserves moved from St. Petersburg, the capital of Russia, up until 1918 to the more easterly city of Kazan. This was to keep it away from the eastern front with Germany. Later, after the end of the world, after the end of World War One, about 315 tons of it was handed over to the Russian government in Moscow. Nobody seems to know what happened to the rest of it, worth billions of dollars. So the Tsar didn't really hide it. He moved it further away from a war zone. 
What are the main theories of where it ended up? There are stories of the Tsar having people shot who stored the gold. There would be no witnesses to the to where it was stored. A theory is that a, that railroad lines were put over a frozen lake, uh, Lake Baikal in Siberia, and that a train with gold aboard went through the ice. Lake Baikal is the largest lake in the world and contains almost a quarter of the world's fresh water. I don't think train tracks would be put across a lake that wouldn't be frozen all year round. I suppose the lake has a legendary monster. Yes, of course, there is supposed to be a legendary monster. There have been submarines searching the lake looking for the gold, but not for lake creatures. To use submarines, there must have been a reasonable belief that the gold is at the bottom of the lake. The same submarines that took the first pictures of the wreck of the Titanic have been searching Lake Baikal, and apparently they found some, they found some evidence in 2010. That's according to the website Spiegel Online. What has been reported since 2010? I think that given the April Fool's joke we talked about from this year, that it's safe to say that no lost gold has been found. The search has involved looking in several places in, in Siberia besides Lake Baikal, and nobody has announced finding any gold yet. Why don't you move on to the background for the next unexplained event, the Vanishing Battalion? The event, the event happened during the Gallipoli campaign when the Allies invaded the Dardanelles Strait in Turkey in 1915. The narrow seaway provides a route from the Black Sea to the Aegean Sea, Aegean sea and the Mediterranean. This was an essential sea route for the Central Powers. The campaign ended with the Allied troops not getting off the landing beaches. The disease alone was accountable for about half the Allied deaths in the month of December of 1915. There were hundreds of thousands of casualties. First Lord of the Admiralty, Winston Churchill, who had suggested the campaign, resigned as a result. From 1916, Anzac Day, every April the 25th, is named for the Australian and New Zealand Army Corps, that's ANZAC, A-N-Z-A-C, that fought in the campaign. The Allied troops, with many from Australia and New Zealand, New Zealand, were put into an impossible situation by poor planning and poor intelligence. It was just another example of the futile loss of life of World War One. How big was the battalion and how did it vanish? A battalion typically will have something like 400 soldiers commanded by a lieutenant colonel. The soldiers in question were from the Norfolk Regiment, newly arrived from England. Many of the soldiers coming from the same community, including the Royal Estate at Sandringham, the summer home of King George. The battalion, <coughs> excuse me, the battalion was soon involved in an assault to clear out the way for a larger attack. Apparently got separated from the main assault group, lost their way and encountered stiff enemy opposition without hope of reinforcement. The battalion apparently pushed the enemy back and charged into a forest that had been set ablaze by artillery fire. That was the last that was seen of any of them. If they had charged into a burning forest, wouldn't that have explained their disappearance? At the time, it was assumed that they were survivors and they had been made prisoners of war. The mystery seemed to have been solved by the War Graves Commission in 1919, who found 122 out of 180 bodies with Norfolk Regiment insignia around the farmhouse in the forest. So that was that. There was a plausible explanation. Sadly, all were killed in action with no survivors to explain how it happened. That was the case until the 50th year reunion in April of 1965. A new explanation was given by World War I veteran Frederick Reichardt. 
I'm going to quote from the website Mysterious Universe. First, I must explain what a sapper is. It is a word for an army engineer used by British and Commonwealth forces. Here is the quote. Quote, Reichardt went on record saying that they had been sappers with the New Zealand Expeditionary Force and that they had been operating in an area near a Turkish position known as Hill 60, which was not far from where the lost Norfolk Regiment had been waging war. The sapper claimed they noticed between six and eight odd greyish-brown loaf-shaped clouds hovering over the battlefield. The weird clouds were described as being completely still, even in the face of high winds at the time. Beneath these clouds were reportedly another even larger and denser looking cloud that was estimated as being around 800 feet in length and around 200 feet high. This massive cloud was allegedly hugging the ground over a dry creek bed when the Norfolk Regiment approached and without hesitation they proceeded to march directly into it. When the regiment had disappeared into the cloud, Reichardt claimed that they had that it had been slowly risen upwards to join the other strange clouds apparently taking the soldiers with it, after which they had all moved off to the north in unison before disappearing from view. The story was first published in the September-October edition of the New Zealand UFO magazine Spaceview in 1965, unquote. Did anyone else see anything? Later, there was a claim that 22 witnesses came forward saying that the battalion had been involved, enveloped rather, in a strange fog which reflected sunlight, providing a blinding glare. What was the official version of events? The Allied commander sent the following dispatch to the British War Office. Quote, in the course of the fight, what there happened to be a very mysterious thing. Against the yielding forces of the enemy, Colonel Sir H. Beauchamp, a bold, self-confident officer, eagerly pressed forward, followed by the best part of the battalion. The fighting grew hotter and at this stage many men were wounded or grew exhausted by but the colonel with 16 officers and 250 men kept pushing forward driving the enemy before the, before him nothing more was seen or heard of any of them they charged into the forest and were and were lost to sight or sand none of them ever came back unquote. this could have been part of a cover-up of a botched military operation so officially, the tragedy was on Beauchamp and his troops for being too grave, too brave. Sorry, the War Graves Commission had found among the 122 bodies near the farmhouse, one with the insignia of Colonel Beauchamp's rank. What was the significance of some of the dead were from the Royal Estate at Sandringham? The BBC made a documentary in 1999 about the incident called All the King's Men, based on the book The Vanished Battalion by author Nigel McCreary. So some of the dead had been directly employed by King George V, hence the name of the documentary. The documentary suggested that the battalion had been taken prisoner in the forest and then were all murdered near the farmhouse. Well, let's change topics and let's talk about the next event, which seems completely incredible. This might be just folklore, but towards the end of World War I, off the coast of Scotland, a German U-boat was apparently attacked by a giant sea monster. Well, this sounds really far-fetched, but what's new about a monster being Scottish, except that this one doesn't live in a lock? That was another show, but the legendary sea monster, the Kraken, if real, would, have, would live in the North Atlantic. The Kraken is supposed to be a huge squid-like creature. So what is the story? 
The story was in the London Daily Telegraph on October the 19th, 2016. The submarine U-85 was captured by the British Navy because it was not able to dive below the surface. This apparently happened on April the 30th, 1918. Here is a quote from the article, quote, according to an old sea tale, the ship's commander, Captain Kresh, later revealed that they had been on the surface of the water while they recharged their batteries at night when a strange beast rose out of the deep. He is believed to describe a monster with large eyes set in a horny sort of skull, adding it had a small head, but with teeth that could be seen glistening in the moonlight. Every man on watch began firing a sidearm at the beast, he said. But in the battle, the submarine had been so damaged it could no longer submerge beneath the water. That is what that is why you were able to catch us on the surface. The captain is said to have told the British, unquote. That's a great story, but what evidence is there to support it? A, a recent article includes some new evidence. Apparently, when laying a subsea power cable off west, the west coast of Scotland, wrecked that maybe UB-85 was found. This is in the area where the alleged attack occurred. The wreck might maybe of the sister ship, the UB-82, but it's hard to know which submarine it is. Do you remember Gary Campbell from the other show, the keeper of the official sightings register of the Loch Ness Monster? Yes, I don't think I'm going to be able to forget that episode for a while. He claims that sailors were aware of sea monsters that could damage their vessels. Here is a quote from the Daily Telegraph article. Quote, it is entirely feasible that some large sea creatures disabled the submarine, he said. History has shown that there have been consistent reports of large monsters, not just in lakes and locks, like Loch Ness, but out in open waters as well. For many years, the giant squid was known as a, uh, known as a fearsome kraken, and given the size of the oceans, it wouldn't be a surprise if many large species were still to be discovered. The area of the sea where the attack took place has a history of sea monster sightings. They have ranged from the north coast of Wales to Liverpool Bay. What the German captain said could well be true, unquote. If you are keeping records of sightings of monsters, you are hardly going to say that it wasn't possible. As nobody was injured, this is a very, a very amusing story and perhaps that, all, that is all it is. Were there any other articles about this? I know that the date of the article was not April 1st, but it could have been. Yes, there were lots of articles with much the same story. The London Daily Mail in, the, in an article dated October the 26th, 2016, goes into much more detail, including that there was an alternative explanation. That was the conning tower hatch had not sealed properly because cables had been installed for a heater in the officer's compartment. Water rushed in and the U-boat had to surface and later surrender. Well, we're going to have to go into a short break, but before the break, make sure you go and like our Facebook page, and we'll continue with unexplained events from World War One after this short break. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, 
at WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. to be true and before the break we were talking about some sea monsters taking down a german sub possibly but let's switch topics since both versions of the story are a little far-fetched the next unexplained event is about the missing crew of the zabrina what was the zabrina she was a flat bottom schooner built in 1873 a schooner is a type of sailing ship with two or more masts the zabrina has had three masts and was used as a cargo ship in October of 1917, she sailed from Falmouth, Cornwall, England, with a cargo of coal heading for San Bruo on the French coast. The voyage should have taken about 30 hours, but was not completed. So what happened to the ship? Two days later, she was found beached on Roselle Point, south of Cherbourg on the French coast. She appeared undamaged, but her entire crew was missing, and apparently they were never found. What are their theories for what had happened? One theory was that she was to be sunk by a German U-boat when the crew having been taken off, with the crew having been taken off the ship. Then the U-boat sighted the British Navy craft and then retreated with the captured crew. Then the ship drifted and beached, itself, beached herself. That sounds plausible. Are there any problems with that theory? The main problem was that the logbook was still on board. A U-boat captain would have taken a logbook as evidence of capturing the ship. Was there anything odd about the ship? There were 23 on board, not an expected crew of six. This might have been because the Zabrina was actually a disguised military ship or Q-ship. A Q-ship would have had hidden guns that would sink an enemy vessel, trying to sink what happened to be an unarmed merchant ship. I think that a sailing ship would be too hard to maneuver to be a Q-ship. But changing subjects, are there any other events from World War I which have been explained as being paranormal? Yes and no. There is the story of the Angels of Mons, uh, that's M-O-N-S. This was during the first battle fought by the British Army on the Western Front in August of 1914. But eyewitnesses were largely discredited and the original story appeared to be from a work of fiction written after the battle. Apparently, apparitions of angels appeared fighting for the outnumbered British forces holding up the German advance when the British right flank became exposed. Had the Germans broken through, Paris may have fallen. The story spread throughout Britain with many people believing in divine intervention and that the angels were on the side of the British army. The British Expeditionary Force was in France and Belgium, surprising the German forces only three days after declaration of war by, Ger by Britain against Germany on August the 4th of 1914. Fighting began only 40 days after Archduke Ferdinand was assassinated. I would have thought that there would have been ghost stories with millions of lives lost through mechanized warfare. There have been various ghost stories, but why would a ghost want to be hanging around such a horrific place? An interesting incident was in 1916 when a Canadian soldier named Wild Bird was woken up by the ghost of his brother Steve, who had been killed in action two years before. His brother urged him to move away from where he was, sitting under a tarp in a trench. 
Wild Bird moved along the trench. Soon after, a shell exploded, causing fatalities where Wild Bird had been sitting. Wild Bird was unharmed by the explosion. Let's talk about the ill-fated German submarine UB-65. The boat seemed to be dodged with bad luck to the point that the event seemed unexplainable. There was also supposed to be a ghost on board. Yes, the submarine was launched in 1917. During construction, two workers were killed when a girder fell on them. There was no explanation for the accident. Three more were killed during routine battery testing, overcome by noxious fumes. During a test run, a sudden storm blew up, sweeping a crew member into the waves, never to be seen again. During another test run, one of the ballast tanks fractured with the submarine sinking to the bottom. The crew managed to make repairs and, and surface the submarine. Their survival was seen as being miraculous, but the bad luck continued. I wonder why they didn't just get rid of the submarine at this point. It seemed to be causing a lot of casualties. They needed the submarine to help starve the British into submission before the United States joined the war. But there was another incident. Preparing for the maiden voyage, a torpedo exploded for no apparent reason, killing the second officer, Lieutenant Richter. The submarine was then repaired and launched again. So, presumably, the boat sank on the maiden voyage. No, but the ghost of Lieutenant Richter appeared on the deck, scaring members of the crew. From then on, the, the ghost of Lieutenant Richter appeared regularly. The captain forbade the crew from talking about any ghost stories. Crewmen got themselves reassigned to other boats. Following a Navy investigation, a new captain with harsher discipline was appointed to keep the lid on the stories. Apparently, the German Navy arranged for a Lutheran pastor to perform an exorcism to calm the crew. Then followed two tours of duty without reported incident. After that, the ghost of Lieutenant Richter returned. That must have meant that the strange events were going to continue. Yes, on July the 10th off Padstow, Cornwall in southwest England, an American submarine spotted UB-65 on the surface, listing indicating some type of damage. As the American submarine was preparing to torpedo the enemy submarine, UB-65 exploded, killing all 37 crew members with no bodies ever being found. So why did UB-65 explode? It was assumed that torpedoes had exploded while being loaded but a crewman on board the American submarine claimed that he saw a figure on the deck of the UB-65 just before the explosion. The figure, of course, was assumed to be the ghost of Lieutenant Richter. Was the wreck ever found? Yes, in 2004, but the wreck didn't show any evidence of having exploded, even though German naval records stated that UB-65 accidentally exploded by her own torpedoes. That was a very strange story. I think it's time to ask the first question. I will ask the first question. Why did World War I have to happen? Was it simply a power struggle or did a few behind the scenes hope to make vast amounts of money? So it was a bit of both. So there are some people who did want to make money, but it is also that tensions grew between different countries. So eventually they do cause different conflict to occur. But this, when this conflict occurs, it is up to the people that are in charge behind the scenes to figure out how they're going to handle it. In this case, the war occurred. Did some of the heads of states and politicians want war simply because of nationalism, because they wanted more power in the world? A few, yes. 
Some others did it for money. Some others did it to make a point that their country was more powerful. If Archduke Ferdinand was not assassinated, would there have been another incident that would have initiated the war? Yes. Was it on the life path of my grandfather, Ernie Marsh, not to be called up by British forces after he walked 24 miles in a day to volunteer? Yes. What would have been, what have, what would have been the outcome for the world if the Allies had lost the war? It would have been very negative. There would have been a lot more controlling going on with the different people. Why did the Spanish flu epidemic at the end of World War I have to occur? Basically, it was just in the path of what was going to happen. So it would have happened if the war didn't occur anyway. Were there tons of gold hidden away in 1918 by the Tsar that has not yet been found? There is hidden gold, yes. Did a train loaded with gold fall through the ice of Lake Baikal? The train was loaded with other valuables too. Is it true that the gold is at the bottom of the lake? Some of it, but not all of it. There's gold hidden in other places. Are these other places outside of Russia? Yes. Do people in high places know where the gold is hidden? No. So it is true that the gold has just disappeared? Correct, since few people knew and those people are now dead. Why was the story of the Tsar's gold, why has the story of the Tsar's gold remained popular for over a hundred years? Because everyone wants to get rich in some shape or form, and finding some mystery gold makes someone very rich very quickly, and because who the gold once belonged to. Moving on to the vanishing battalion, how did the soldiers from the Norfolk Regiment become separated from the main force? Basically, they went to investigate something and got separated. Did the soldiers of the Norfolk Regiment charge into a burning forest? Yes. I'll ask the next question anyway. Was this just a story made up by a commander to cover up not commanding his troops properly? Well, the commander should not have really separated the troops. But yes, they went to investigate what the cause of the burning was and some strange noises coming from the forest. Was something like 120 soldiers captured, then murdered? They were murdered, yes. What happened to the other approximately 60 soldiers that were unaccounted for by the War Graves Commission? Most of the bodies got lost. They were burned, so the remains were not identifiable. Did a greyish-brown cloud appear on the battlefield? There was smoke from the fire, but not anything paranormal, no. Did the soldiers of the Norfolk Regiment march into the cloud? No. How did rumours start about the cloud and the vanishing battalion? Because there was smoke from the fire, so it did not look like the sol it did look like the soldiers did vanish. Moving on to sea monsters and the UB eighty five, were there any monsters in Scottish waters during World War One? Not really monsters, but sea creatures, yes. Was submarine UB eighty five attacked by a sea creature? Yes. Did heater cables interfere with the conning tower hatch flooding the U boat? No. How did a, a sea creature damage a full-size submarine? It was a very large sea creature. So Captain Kresch's account of the attack by the sea creature was absolutely true? Yes. Has the wreck of the submarine UB-85 been found? Not yet, no. 
So the submarines ought to be UB-85 is not UB-85. Correct. Are there sea creatures now in the North Atlantic as in the days of World War One? Smaller versions of them, yes. Are they related to the Kraken? They're related to octopi and squids, yes, but not larger versions since they cannot survive. The next event is the disappearance of the crew from the schooner Zabrina. Was the Zabrina captured by a German submarine that took the Zabrina prisoner and then had to leave before sinking the Zabrina? There's more to it than that, but yes. Why were there 23 on board and not the expected crew of six? Because of what was going on behind the scenes. Was the Zabrina a cruise ship? There is more to it than that. So the Zabrina wasn't exactly what she pretended to be? Basically, there were some figures that were on the ship also. So that's why the crew was larger than expected. So there were some more important people, so it made it a target. And basically, it had some valuable objects present too. So it was something the Germans really wanted to take. The crew and valuables were captured by the Germans, right? Correct. So the Zabrina was not of coal? Correct. Who were the figures and what were the valuables? The valuables were objects that were worth a lot of money. So that's why they were important. And for the figures, it was figures who were doing a lot of the work behind the scenes. So the Germans wanted to capture them so that they could basically work with these people instead of having them on the Allied forces. So what happened to the 23 people on board? So some of them were completely murdered, like crew members and such, and others were taken prisoner and put to work. Did German spies report that the Zabrina was not what she pretended to be? Yes, there were a lot of spies in place. The next question is regarding the angels, angels of Mons. Angels appearing in the middle of the battle and helping one side has to be a total myth, right? We'll have to continue the psychic insight and the questions after this short break. And remember to go like and follow our Facebook page. So let's continue after this short break. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. 
Welcome back to Too Good To Be True. And before the break, we are going through the questions and the psychic insight. So, Dad, can you please repeat the question about the angels and mons? Yes, uh, angels appearing in the middle of the battle and helping one side has to be a total myth, right? So there are different situations that do happen or scenes where angels will step in if it is not someone's time to go. However, there was not a crowd of angels showing up. Was holding the line with a slow retreat, uh, with a slow retreat while being outnumbered, purely a matter of well-trained soldiers fighting with skill and bravery. Yes. What would have happened if the German army had broken through and Paris had fallen? Then the whole war would have been different, since the Germans would have had one of the key points for their tactics. So many other cities would have fallen afterwards. The next question is about Waldbird. Was he woken up by the ghost of his dead brother, Steve? Yes. How can a ghost have a physical effect in this world? Many ghosts can by combining their energy into a physical, basically a physical influence, let's say. So the entire story of Wild Bird is true? Correct. The next question is regarding submarine UB-65. Why did submarine UB-65 have so many fatal accidents before a maiden voyage? Basically, there are some different aspects of it that needed to be looked at more carefully. Were not all the reported facts about the accident uh, correct? Some of the accidents were made to look like accidents. What was the purpose of that? Basically, they wanted to take out some of the submarine crewmen before it actually sailed. What was the reason for that? Basically, let's just say that there was corruption and they didn't want the most talented people in the submarine, so they decided to eliminate them. Why did UB-65 sink to the ocean floor and then was able to survive by the action of her crew? Because not all of their targets were murdered. The submarine was meant to sink to the ocean floor? Yes. And the survival of the submarine was a miracle that wasn't expected? Correct. Later on, what caused the torpedo to explode, killing Lieutenant Richter? Basically, built up pressure. So it was an accident? Correct, that was an accident. Did the ghost of Lieutenant Richter appear on the deck of the UB-65? Yes. Was an exorcism performed on the submarine? No. What was causing UB-65 to be listed, listing when sighted off of Padstow? Basically, that was just a defect in how it was going, nothing paranormal. What sank UB-65 and ended the lives of all her crew? Was it an exploding torpedo? Yes. Was the ghost of Lieutenant Richter seen on the deck of the UB-65 just before she sank? No, not just before, no. It was a while before. Why did the ghost of Lieutenant Richter appear? Was he trying to warn the crew about something? Yes, it was a warning of their impeding deaths. How was the wreck of the UB-65 intact if she had actually exploded? So the tor torpedo hit nearby and not exactly into it. So it caused the submarine to basically sink but not be destroyed. So it caused a massive bolt of energy instead of hitting it straight on. So the torpedo was like a depth charge? Correct. Is it wise to walk away from a place or situation when unfortunate fatal events continue occurring? 
Generally, yes. So usually if a lot of accidents are occurring, it's occurring because of something of human error or something human wise that is going on or there is some flaw in the design or build. So it doesn't need to be a paranormal reason always. It can just be an actual physical reason. So if something happens over and over again and it may be fatal, then yes, it's best to walk away and rethink your decisions of going near it. What else can we learn from the series of accidents afflicting UB65 and from our strange ending? Basically, that some things aren't completely paranormal. Some of them are real physical things that happen. But yes, ghosts and other beings do try to warn people sometimes of impeding events. And especially in wartime too, there's lots of corruption. So unfortunate incidences may happen because of strategy and the war. And that's when key events might occur since other side's ultimate gain is to win the war. So was Germany's enemies acting to cause events that were reported as accidents? Correct. So there were saboteurs? Correct. There was a large portion of the forces that were mixed in without actually knowing they were mixed in. One final question. What can we learn from World War One beyond nationalism so easily leading to automated mass murder in the trenches? The first lesson is that power is something that can either be something that makes greatness where a lot of people can be helped or such as seen in World War One, power can be something that really destroys a lot of people. And it's everyone's right, and especially United States, to stick up for what they believe in. And if they see any leaders or anyone that's in charge with power is doing the wrong thing, in their opinion, they should speak up and stand for what they believe in, even if they think their voice won't be heard. Large groups of people can really make a change. So the lesson here is to always step in, and when something's occurring that you don't believe in, and that something that's even going on now is that there's a lot of discussion about people's beliefs, but everyone has the right as a human being to stand up for what they believe in and have a voice themselves. And there's also the aspect that World War One obviously, unfortunately, had many, many tragic deaths. But here were also some amazing stories from what happened. And when humans are in a place where there's a lot of chaos and tragedies occurring, a lot of people do step up and do the right thing also. And the thing to learn about now for the future is not to repeat what happened in that war and for people to stand up for what they believe in before it gets too late and the power is in the wrong hands. That was the last question. Now I have to ask a further question. Were the stories of the SARS gold, the giant sea creature that attacked UB85, the ghostly warning to Wild Bird, and the ghost of Lieutenant Richter trying to warn his UB65 crewmates all too good to be true? That depends on what you are prepared to believe. It sounds like UB65 was sunk by a torpedo far from the American submarine. Yes, according to the Psychic Insight, a torpedo exploded nearby, so it sounds like it had been fired from the American submarine. The wreck doesn't have any evidence of having exploded, so that is consistent. The sea creature attacking UB-85 sounds almost amusing. Yes, uh, Scotland has some amazing stories. If the wreck is ever discovered, it might have teeth marks on it. I can understand why the logbook of Zabrina wasn't missing. If they had captured the ship to take her crew and valuables, they wouldn't need the logbook. 
Yes, I wonder why a ship loaded with coal would have left Cornwall. They don't mine coal there, but they used to mine tin. Well, I just want to again mention, like I always do, is to go and like and follow our Facebook page. So if you go to Facebook and type in Too Good To Be True, and the first two is spelled T-W-O, you can go there, you can like our page, you can follow us, and you can interact with us. So if you have any comments about today's show, any suggestions for future shows, we would love to hear from you. Yes, we've got shows coming up that have come from suggestions, and we did promise last time to uh, have shout-outs if people uh, want to be shouted out, I guess. Uh, so that's really helpful, and uh, um, we get more interesting things than um, ancient civilizations when people make suggestions. Well, and also if you have any comments. So if anyone has any further comments they want to make about today's show, maybe you thought that the Kraken and the sea monster was interesting, or maybe you have more to add, or just any comments or anything you want to do to interact with the show, we'd love to hear from the listeners. Yeah, that's not to say that ancient mysteries and ancient of uh, ancient mysteries of ancient civilizations aren't fascinating, but I'm going with your comments, Justina. You've seen to give me a hard time when I want to talk about the pyramids or uh, strange buildings in South America. Well, you know, if I had it my way, I would do every single show on animals. So at least we're not boring everyone with every single show about different types of animals. I think we've run out of. Um creatures associated with Scottish locks or the Scottish um, or the Atlantic Ocean and North Sea around Scotland. So uh, maybe that subject's now final, completed, but you never know. <laughs> well, I just want to make another point about today's show is that we do understand that World War One, there is so many lives lost and those parts of the show. And instead, we wanted to focus on some unexplained mysteries. So we do acknowledge that there was a lot of lives lost and that World War One did have a lot of tragedies. Yes, and uh, the story of my grandfather was kind of ironic. It was kind of amusing that uh, he couldn't march, but he could walk 24 miles to enlist. So uh, that's just one of those ironies. And I guess I'm grateful that uh, Ernie Marsh went home and got on with things and uh, was there for the World War Two, where he helped a lot of people. Well, and I think another takeaway from the show today is that there is a lot of events occurring, especially when these wars are occurring. And there's a lot of unanswered questions since there's so many different battles going on, so many different situations, so many different events going on. So there's a lot of unexplained things that happen, especially during wartime when there's a lot of chaos going on. I think that's it, Justina. We look forward to the next show. Of course, we want to thank the listeners for listening to the show, and we hope to have everyone listen to next week's show. 